I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm getting a note from our producer wanting to know if you can dom me uh, in one sentence like you do a client. Oh, okay. That was a, that was a good little touch, producer. Shout out to you. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, what are your hard limits first? Like, what is the absolute no? I don't know. I don't think that I have. Okay, any... even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Imagine having the power to tweet something like "I will drain your wallet," and strangers start Venmoing you, like hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands. And imagine that you find out they send you even more money when you're mean to them. Now imagine you can quit your nine to five because you're making so much money doing this. That's something my guest, Mistress Marley, figured out. She's a financial dominatrix, or FinDom, which means she gets money, mostly from men, who get off on giving her lots of cash. I'm Mistress Marley. I'm a pro dominatrix in New York City specializing in financial domination. I wanted to talk to her because she turned her master's degree in fashion marketing into a self-sustaining creative business where she gets to set her own hours. And now she makes around four times as much money as she was making in the corporate world. I'm Maya Lau, and this is Other People's Pockets, the show where I ask people about their money so that the questions we all have about how much other people make and how their finances work can be a little bit less of a mystery. Well, Mistress Marley, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Can you explain what is financial domination and how did it become one of your specialties? So basically, financial domination is a practice within the BDSM and kink world. It's a psychological kink that involves a sub giving the dominant party um, money, whether we call it a tribute, gifts, or whatever, but the sub basically gets off by giving themselves to the dominatrix or the dom financially. Wow. And I mean, 
when you when you explain it, and I think the more that I've heard about it, I think a lot of people kind of consider it basically a dream job <laughs> to to kind of just exist and ask for people to give you money and they just give it to you. Yeah, yeah. I get that a lot. Everyone's always like, is this real? When I first came into it, I didn't think it was real until it started happening. And I was like, oh, it's real. (laughs) And so I'm wondering if you can kind of explain more. I mean, as I understand it, you know, you have an online presence. People can see pictures and videos of you. Um, Mm -hmm. You ask for tributes sometimes. um, But you also sometimes meet people, these being your your subs or your financial submissives in person, right? And sometimes do things like take them to an ATM. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk more about like what that looks like? Yeah. So you'll have some subs that want to meet you in person and we call them fin subs or financial subs. But then for the most part, Financial domination is online, but for those subs that want to meet you, they want to do something that we call a cash meet. And that's when you are meeting the sub at the ATM, you know, requesting a certain amount of money they should take out and they hand it to you. And either you can humiliate them, you can walk away, any type of embarrassment that they might ask, whatever it is, it's all consensual. But there are some in-person meetups in this field, not always necessary or not always required. But I think they're the most fun because it's like not only are you giving me your money, but you're doing it in public and I get to humiliate you after I get the money. So to me, that's like something I just love to do. I'm so like impressed by I think I would have so much stage fright and like I'm impressed (laughs) that like you can just go with it and like turn on this side of you. Like, do, do you ever have a moment where you're like, I don't know if I can do this or are you just totally in it? Oh, my gosh, yes. So when I first started out, it was, like, hard for me to really get in the mode of knowing, like, I'm going to humiliate someone because I'm from the South, so I have the sweet Southern Belle thing. Like, I've always been just a sweetheart. I think so. And um, my first ever cash me, I was very, very nervous. So I'm like, what do I say to them? Like, what if there becomes a time where I pause or don't know what to say and we're just awkwardly standing there or whatever? But I got into the mode of getting better at it by, like, when I saw the subs, I would imagine somebody I really really hate it, especially a man (laughs) or someone that's done me wrong in the past. And it was just easier in that way. And then when I realized, like, not only was I humiliating them and doing something that made me feel good, them being humiliated was something that made them feel really good. So Mm. I was fulfilling something inside of them while doing something I had to learn how to do and learn how to come into. So it's something that, yes, I was intimidated at first, and a lot of people are intimidated at first when they think about it. But it's one of those things that once you say that first word of humiliation, you just keep going and you can't stop. So it's like you get better at it. <laughs> yeah. You just have to tap into that that part of you. Exactly. So how how much money do you make doing this? Oh, wow. It depends. So, like— um, a tribute could range from $50 to $1,000. And a tribute is really just what a sub gives you to have conversation with you or to have access to you. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean like you have to send back any photos or videos or even have a session with them. A tribute is simply for appreciation. So those can range from $50 to $1,000. And then you get deeper into it when you have cash meets because not only are you going to the cash meet and requesting they take out like a thousand out of the ATM, but you're also getting a deposit before that meetup to secure mm. the meetup. And then when you get into sessions, it gets even deeper because then it's per hour. So like there's been times where I've had sessions because like I said, I'm a pro dominatrix too. So I do the typical dom things of like whipping and, you know, foot worship and all those things. So once you get into that, 
it can be upward of 900 an hour, 1,000 an mm. hour, whatever it may be. But I've gotten to the point where me being a financial dominatrix has done so well for me that I was able to quit my nine to five last year, last January. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. How much money were you making at your previous job? It was really just an entry level, like 45K a year type salary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was enough to get by and live in New York with roommates and things of that nature. But mm -hmm. it was definitely not something I was happy in. It was something where even on my lunch break, I was going to see subs on ATM meetup oh. <laughs> while I was like working. That's the I, like, best I was use even... of a lunch break. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or I'd be on my like laptop like you know putting out ads or doing little things or editing pictures or whatever so I always was just like ready to leave that job right. or whatever so yeah it wasn't it wasn't what I needed and I mean you have a master's degree in fashion mm -hmm. marketing so I imagine that that's helped you in your line of work now in terms of yes. marketing like can you talk about like what that degree has has helped you with yeah for sure so like my bachelor's degree was in fashion design, and then I moved to New York to learn more about the business of fashion. So I got my uh, master's degree in fashion marketing, and that's helped me learn my niche market. Mm. That's helped me learn, like, how to advertise pictures, what time of the day to advertise, um, who to advertise to. Even if I'm just having classes for other people that want to learn how to be doms, it's setting a price for that and what I offer with that. I mean, I even throw events. So I throw brunches for women that want to learn how to do this stuff. So... It's me being able to do all this marketing. My friends always call me a marketing beast. Like, they can't understand <laughs> how I'm, like, always going, going, going. It's, like, because, you know, in my corporate world, when I was working in corporate, that's something I just had to do on a daily. So why not incorporate it into what I'm doing now? Right. You know, a lot of your clients, I think you've mentioned, are CEOs. They're Wall Street types. They're high-powered men in high-powered jobs. Do you get a sense from them about why exactly they're interested in giving away their money and also in being dominated? I think for them, it's the lack of power that they're having with me. So they're so used to being in charge. Like you said, they're CEOs and things of that nature. So they're so used to being in charge and calling the shots and this and that. But when they come to me, none of that exists. It's it's all about me. I call the shots. I make the schedule. I tell you when you need to be bowing to me or giving to me or sending to me. And for them, it's just like, wow, I'm really being told something by someone that, A, is not only younger than me, but someone that um, is very dominant. And I might not be used to this. So I think they get off to just have from that lack of control. Like, oh, I can't control what's going on right now. I can't tell them that they need to shut up and listen to me like I have to shut up and listen to them. And what about when it's just them sending you money and like there's no real back and forth, but it's just money appears in your account? Like what what's that about, do you think? Oh, that's even better, actually. <laughs> if, they, if more of them could send me money and not say anything to me, oh, life will <laughs> yes. be made. But um, we get a lot of silent senders in financial domination. Those are people that send money. You don't know who, where it came from. They'll never tell you like, oh, I sent or whatever. I had one sub that was doing that. For a long time, then I realized who he was. And, I, you know, I entered his DM, like, you know, because he had been a longtime sender. And I was like, what are your fetishes? What are your kink? And he was literally just like, I'm not into any of that. I just want to send you money or whatever. And I would just like to keep it, like, silent. I was like, perfect. Like, that's perfect for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of them is, to them, I guess it gives them a thrill of knowing, like, oh, my God, I just sent money to a stranger on the other side of the world. And I'm never going to see them. And they don't have to talk to me. But I sent it. And it's out of my wallet. Like, I think for them, it's the thought of if I told someone this, they would look at me like I was crazy, you know. So it's it's different things that, you know, make them 
feel great or fulfilled. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious, but the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism and we fold, but the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to the tipping point and market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off, but also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization. If this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. You mentioned like you have this whole business and I'm curious more about your business model. Like you have a segment where you do financial domination. Uh, You also do in-person dominatrix, like what people classically think of a dominatrix setup being. You have these brunches you mentioned, you have classes. Like, can you tell us kind of how it all breaks out? Like, what do you make the most money off of? What do you make the least money off of? I would have to say that I make the most money off of my in-person sessions um, and my online courses because everyone wants to do everything online. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I still have successful in-person events, but there's an online option. Of course, everyone's going to take it just to be safe. Um, I will say I make a good amount of money with my um, in-person events and things of that nature, but it just takes so much to put those together. Like, you know, finding a venue, getting caterers, getting decorations, um, all those different types of things. So it's just like I try to make myself accessible in different ways because I realize that what I'm doing is something that a lot of people are curious about but are scared to jump into. So, of course, you might not have those people that can show face at a public event like this because at my brunches I have subs there and we actually, like, practice on them and things of that nature. But you might have people that work in nine-to-five jobs where they might be like, okay, I don't want to be seen in public at an event like this. But that's why I offer the online events because they can, you know, have the freedom to be online and learn and not really have to show their face or be out in the public. Right. Well, I mean, along those lines, like I kind of wanted to ask you, sex work is this thing that we both glamorize and at the same time, society kind of doesn't know what to do with. And I'm wondering, like, what are some of the pitfalls of, of this career choice for you? I think some of the pitfalls is like the constant judgment, stereotypes, um, having to really explain your work and having to explain that sex work is work. Mm-hmm. Even when people... Just when I'm out at the bars or the clubs, you know, the, the typical conversations like, what do you do for work or whatever? Like, and I'm someone that's always been so sure of myself that I'm not going to hide what I do, but I'll tell them I'm a dominatrix. Mm-hmm. And it's just right away. It's, oh, that's crazy. That's weird. Like, or like, oh, you're not going to beat me right now. I'm like, okay, it wasn't like, why would I just to. start beating you at the bar? <laughs> like, um, Yeah, but it's getting those stereotypes. It's like having to really explain yourself and, you know, having to realize that our job isn't normal jobs. As much as we try to normalize it, yes, like we can say that it's normal for us, but for other people, it will never be perceived as that. So it's just always having to find where we fit in or just feel like we're really fighting to just be heard, you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, it feels like you're like you've done a lot of thinking and planning in terms of keeping your personal life separate and mm-hmm. and also just in preparing to even get yeah. into this industry. Exactly. So you mentioned how much tributes could be I mean can you can you give us a sense I, I noticed on Twitter you recently posted you had a total sales of hundred five thousand mm-hmm. dollars to date and we're in October this year mm-hmm. can you say like kind of what the total for the year might be like of all the things you do so the sales I posted on Twitter just today are sales from like my brunches and zoom courses and like um any type of party I throw. So that's been all those sales for that. When it comes to, like, my financial domination and things of that nature, a lot of those tributes and things are gifts through Cash App Mm -hmm. or gifts through Venmo. Like, just like if your friend was to send you $800 on Cash App for their portion of the rent. That's how it is when it's getting sent to me on Cash App. So 
I would say aside from that, if I was to mentally try to add up my Cash App, Venmo, even cash gifts or anything of that nature, I would say by now, October, it would be close to 50K. Mm -hmm. And that's just me doing a, just throwing a number out there. Because there's so many things from session deposits for when I'm having sessions, um, Skype online things from when I'm doing that. There's even things such as night flirt, which is phone sex operation, but there are subs that want to be humiliated on the phone. Um, So there's so many different avenues of revenue that are coming in. Yeah, and that's like such a key part of being on top of your finances. Something I'm trying to work on Mm -hmm. is like having different income streams. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, taken me so long to realize, like, I shouldn't just work at one job. Like, (laughs) you know. Yeah, like, that's how how I saw myself. Like, I came in as a financial dominatrix, but I was just like, okay, what happens when maybe one day something happens and I can't do this anymore or I get tired of it or whatever? Like, that's why now I'm working on a lingerie line. So Mm -hmm. I want to get back into fashion. So Mm -hmm. it'll just come back full circle. And it'll be advertised to sex workers. So it's like... It's going to be a lingerie line finally by a sex worker for sex workers. Oh, wow. So it's like, you know, just trying to have those different streams and bringing everything back full circle. Right. And I mean, you mentioned like something about, you know, this may not be what you want to do forever. Like, do you think Mm -hmm. about like, you know, where does this lead to? Like, is there going to come a point in time where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore? And do you I don't know. Do you have a thought about like what's kind of the future of this for you? I think for me, it depends on, like, where the culture of kink and BDSM is going. Like, right now, it's really, really big and popular because it's been shown in pop culture very mm-hmm. much so lately, whether it's a Netflix show, whether it's, like, um, these artists and their music videos wearing leather and latex, things of that nature. But I think I'll be in a space where I always will want to be a kink educator mm-hmm. and throwing events because I get so much, like, joy from throwing events and doing things. But will I be 90 years old still uh, whipping someone in a dungeon? (laughs) Depends. (laughs) I'm so impressed, like, the amount of money you're making sounds like, you know, at least 150K, at least, you know, that's as Mm -hmm. of only as of October, is definitely a far cry from the 45K you were making before. What what has this allowed you to achieve financially that, that you might not have been able to attain otherwise? Oh, wow. So I came from a family of six kids. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and dad are still married. So I came from a family of we didn't really have money to do a lot of extracurricular things. Mm-hmm. For instance, I'm going to Disney on Wednesday. Never been to Disney mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. life. Like, and, you know, I'm going as an adult and I wasn't able to do that when I was younger because there were so many of us. And like, you know, we lived in different areas from the suburbs to the projects to um, the outskirts and all these different things. So I really didn't grow up with the financial knowledge that I needed. Um, did not grow up financially responsible was not taught things of, like, how to do taxes and how to do this and that and apply for loans, was really just thrown into it. Like, that's just how I feel. Mm -hmm. So ever since I've come into this career, you know, I've been able to do things for myself. I've been able to save money. I've been able to keep a nice savings account and, and, you know, pay things on time and improve my credit score and pay off loans and just do all these different things that I wasn't able to do. And within that, I'm able to help my parents. I'm able to send them money. I'm able to just buy them things if I want to buy them things. But at the same time, while learning that financial responsibility that I didn't have growing up from age, like when I was in college until up until age 24, I want to say. Mm -hmm. So it's really just 
it's taught me a lot about saving. It's taught me a lot about how to deal with so much money coming in at once. It's taught me about how to get business licenses and how to properly do my taxes and report things. It's just things I had to learn on my own, but I feel like if I hadn't got pushed to this point, I wouldn't have like learned it. What are some of your long-term financial goals? So right now I'm putting money into a dungeon I'm trying to build in New York City. Mm. Um, that's going to be another stream of income. So basically a dungeon really where we focus on black sex workers having a safe space because we deal a lot. Um, you know, even I, starting out as a dom, I dealt a lot with a, pass, with a lot of passive aggressiveness and like spaces that were mostly white or like white owned or whatever. So just really having those spaces for us. So and then, you know, it's not a lot of dungeons in New York. A lot of dungeons got shut down during the mm-hmm. pandemic. One dungeon that was Black-owned got shut down. So it's just me and my girlfriends, who are also doms, um, putting this dungeon together. So it's for me to put my money into that long term. And also, I want to start a school, like a dominatrix Mm. academy with, you know, tuitions and semesters and all these different things. So I think it's just me always thinking, how can I give back to the community that supports me so much all the time? Like, how can I give back to them all at once? So my long-term goal is always, financially, is always about healing and building. Um, within the community. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as long as you heal and build and put money into the community, the universe will always give back. You know, you'll always be, um, you'll always have abundance. You'll always be able to move how you need to move. So those are pretty much my long-term goals. So many of your clients are white men. Yes. And one of the paddles that you spank people with says reparations on it. Yes. Do you explicitly talk about reparations with your white male clients? I do. I definitely do. So I do a lot of um, reparations play is what we call it. I do a lot of making them like do research on black women or black women in power or whatever. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So like they have homework? Yeah. So I give them homework (laughs) or I either even just make them research me and do a paperwork on me and who I am. I'm like, like a lot of my subs, when they approach, I'm like, if you want to approach me and serve me, like you're saying, like, I want you to want to serve me beyond what you're seeing in the images and that you think I'm beautiful and I'm high. Okay, anyone can say that. It's like, I want you to really study who I am and what I like so that you can properly serve me, you know, so that it's not just something you're doing out of boredom or because you have some extra money to mm-hmm. spend today, you know, so... Um, I do a lot of just educating them. And I also run a group called Black Dom Sorority, Mm -hmm. where it's like a hundred of us. A couple members are in L.A., so we're like all over. And, you know, I use the subs to serve us at events. We have sleepovers and brunches and all types of things. And we'll have the white subs there and they'll really be like bowing down to us. So I love just that element of my work. So you mentioned like Black Dom Sorority, you'll have these and that's a a group of Black and Afro-Latina women Mm -hmm. and non-binary people who are all dominatrixes. Is that right? Right. Yes. And so, like, you'll have these white subs, like, will they be, like, serving the food and cleaning up? Yeah. So they'll serve the food. We've had them in, like, made outfits before cleaning up. We'll do, like, little fashion shows with them, little humiliating things, things that they, like, consented to Mm -hmm. um, we'll have. So, for instance, in December, we're having our holiday party in New York. So the holiday party is going to be so much fun because we're going to do so many different things like making the subs pose as Christmas trees and just throwing decorations on them and things of that nature. It's really for our entertainment, but it's also for them to realize like, 
you know, you wanting to serve us goes beyond you just typing this to me on Twitter. Like, I want to see in person that you're really dedicated to serve us because anybody can say, oh, I love serving black doms and things of that nature. You know, a lot of the times these subs, they try to see us as a fetish or they fetishize us. And so it's me really saying, like, you know, you can like what you like, but also you have to understand what you're liking. And you have to see that person as a person also, not just as a kink or a fetish. And what kind of transformation have you seen? Have you seen, like, have you had conversations with your subs where they actually get it and, like, they, I don't know, have more of a realization of what it means to, for there to be reparations or for them to actually respect black women like do you get that kind of feedback from them yeah I've definitely seen a transformation I mean I've had one sub that says that he's learning more about black history and you know learning more beyond his scope of what he was taught growing up and you know I have subs that I have them donate to certain causes or whatever that support black people black sex workers in general Um, so it's just always me teaching them how to give back but also me teaching that, them that when I'm not around, because I might not always be around, I might not always be your dom, you still need to hold us to the same stature that you're holding me. So it shouldn't just be mm-hmm. where you're just holding Mistress Marley as a black woman to a certain stature because you think she's hot and sexy and you want to serve her. It should be every black woman that crosses your path you should be treating like this. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious, but the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism, and we fold. But the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to The Tipping Point, and market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off. But also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization. 
this event sounds like your thing. I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Have you ever actually controlled someone's bank account, like gotten their password and everything? So not their bank account password, but there is something that we do in FinDom called TeamViewer. And that's basically when you remotely control their computer from your house. Mm. So I've like... I've controlled it, they, and they watch you do it the whole time, but I've controlled their, like, laptops or whatever from my house, and I've gone into their PayPal, logged in, and sent myself money, or gone into their Cash App or Venmo and sent myself money. So it's pretty much the same thing. So you have some subs that want that to happen for them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, <laughs> dream job. <laughs> I mean, but at the same time, like, you have a lot of content out there on different platforms. You have an OnlyFans account where people can see nude uh, photos and videos of you like mm-hmm. there's a possibility that like those silent senders are also taking in some of that content right yeah but i think the thing with them too is that when they're looking at my content only fans my content my content is under the male gaze but it's not for the male gaze if that makes mm-hmm. sense so my content is not me trying to convince you to touch me or be all over me or i want you or i'm you know whatever they might say or i'm horny or you know what a lot of people might do my content is more so on the fact of look at me you'll never be able to touch me mm-hmm. you'll never be able to even be in the same room as me you're a loser like it's still me humiliating mm-hmm. but in a way of being sensual with it i mean this might be like a really stupid question but do you think that this type of thing, especially the FinDom stuff, could work if there wasn't, like, literally anything sexual about it? Like, if you were just, like, in your sweats and, like, didn't even post a picture of yourself or something, like, would would it work? <laughs> or Oh, for sure. Because when I, when I first started out, it was just strictly content on Twitter, um, posting my feet, posting a picture of me doing a loser sign, like not even really having that OnlyFans network or whatever. Um, and then there's a lot of doms, too, that are faceless. Um, mm. They just show the neck down. There's a lot of subs that love catfish fetish. So they love for you to use a fake picture on them and tell them it's a fake picture. And they just love it. This so is amazing. There's yes. different. <laughs> 
So, yeah, there's so many. Like, one of the main questions I get, because, you know, I get a lot of women that do have these 9-to-5 jobs, and they ask me, like, how can I do this without showing my face? And I'm like, right. you can definitely do this without showing your face because there's some subs that really just like feet or just like to see you in stockings from the waist down or whatever. Like, there's so many different ways you can make money without ever showing your face. Well, that's amazing. I didn't realize you can even make money not even showing a picture of yourself. <laughs> yeah, you can. You definitely can. Wow. Um how do you decide what your rate should be? So my rates are decided upon how much energy am I putting into something mentally, physically, and emotionally. So mm-hmm. if I'm whipping someone, that's physical. That's something that can make your arm sore by the end of it or um, takes a lot of physical energy. So I would charge upward of 800 an hour for that. If I'm doing something where I'm verbally humiliating somebody, okay, that's not as intense as physical um, domination. So maybe I'll do 300 an hour for that. If I'm doing something where they want multiple kinks in one hour, it's like, okay, you really have to charge for that, you know, a thousand and upward. So it just really depends on what you're putting into it. If it's ever to a point where you're doing something and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is emotionally doing so much for me or mentally or I had to do so much to get prepared for this, you know. And as doms, we spend a lot of money on our outfits, um, Mm -hmm. leather and Latex is not cheap. We spend a lot of money on our, on our outfits, self-care of our outfits, of our tools. Um, a lot of these tools are handmade. A lot of them are like real leather and wood and things of that nature. So that's how I really determine my rates is like how much energy is being put into what I'm doing. I'm so curious, as you mentioned that your expenses and I'm, I think about like your taxes or something like what, what all are your expenses? So my expenses vary from like until I open a dungeon, I am renting out dungeons for a session. So that's those are usually hourly fees, and those usually change per dungeon. So one dungeon might charge seventy five an hour. You might have another one that charges one fifty. It just depends on what's available that day and what you can use. So it's dungeon expenses. Um, it's expenses of wanting to buy new tools and new toys because a lot of these things have wear and tear over time. So I've had a lot of paddles and things I've had to thrown out because they can't be used anymore. They've been used so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Leather and latex. There's sometimes instances accidentally in latex where you might get oil or spill something on it and it's damaged. So you have to replace it. Like those things are very sensitive and easy to mess up. Mm -hmm. So it's just dealing with incidentals like that. Expenses such as, you know, like traveling to the session. But a lot of these expenses are put into the session price. So they're pretty much covered by the sub. But these are different expenses that we have. And me just being a very, very feminine woman, you know, I always have my hair done every two weeks Mm -hmm. and nails and, you know, all these different types of cosmetic things and keeping up with my general health and all these different things. So, um a lot of this money goes into things. It's not always, oh, I, I got this big stack of money and it's going straight into the savings. Some of it might go into the savings, but some of it is going towards other expenses because as a dom, especially in this industry where you're doing physical domination in person, your looks are everything. Yeah. How many hours a day do you work? It depends. So one thing about sex work, too, is your schedule is never the same. So. Mm-hmm. My busiest days are days when I have sessions back to back or when I'm recording content all day. So I like to work smart and not hard. So I'll spend a whole day recording content and different videos and post it on different days. You know, the Mm -hmm. subs don't know what days I did or if, you know, whatever. So those to me are the hardest because content creation is so hard. I mean, you spend all the time in the world, first of all, just doing your makeup and hair and your outfit. And then you have to set up the self-timer and the editing and the lighting and making sure you're doing it at the right time of the day. So you are getting lighting. So that itself takes a long time. But I will say maybe on an average day of like sessions or whether it's virtual or whatever or planning events, I will say like I'm up at nine o'clock and maybe done around three. So maybe I work a nine to three, you know, so it just depends. But 
it's that ability to be able to set my schedule and be able to say, you know what, I'm not seeing anyone today or I'm not seeing anyone tomorrow. I'll see whoever I want to see on Thursday. I could do a whole sessions, um, a whole day of sessions on a Thursday and make what I needed to make, you know, for the month. Like, mm-hmm. so it's it's different ways to just like set it up. But one thing about me is I'm always big on taking, like I will take time off. Like mm-hmm. I do not care. I will take the time off and vacation. Like even me coming to LA was vacation and time off just for myself, you know? So you have to really just make that time. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of brings me to, to one of the questions I had, which is like, we all have days at work where we're just like, like I have to go to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like that? Or do you feel mostly like you love this? I love it. I think I only get times where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so, like, tired or whatever when it's, like, the day of an event because I know events take a lot out of me. So it's like, you know, there's so many things that always come up days of event, like the decorator isn't replying to your text right away or, like, the caterer saying they're going to be this many minutes late or whatever. So it's always little things like that that come up. But within my actual work of being a pro-dom and a financial dominatrix, I never get to that point. I get excited when it comes to doing sessions, even Mm -hmm. if it's just online or someone sending me money or a virtual Skype session or whatever it might be. I just always get excited because I'm like, especially if it's a new client, because I get to meet someone new and that first introduction is everything. And it's just like, you never know where it can go. Like, this can be my client that only wanted one session today or this could be my client that's sending money every day for me, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, for me, it's the thrill and the excitement because in this industry, you never know where things are going to go. What do you indulge in financially? I love bags. Mm -hmm. I'm a bag fanatic. Going through the fashion industry growing up or in college where I couldn't afford none of the things we were learning about to be able to afford those things now, it it gives me, Mm -hmm. it gives me like pride on it. It gives me a deeper sense of it. It's like a kid in a candy store. So I definitely indulge. I think I buy at least one luxury bag a month at this point. Yeah, so... Like, I'm trying to work on it, but to me, it's just, like, I just love how it is. And for me, it's not even just buying the bag. It's some of these luxury stores give such good experiences. Like, you walk in, you get the champagne, and, you know, mm. you get, like, all these different things going on. And to me, it's just the air of it, of just how it feels to be in spaces that I would have never thought I'd be able to be in. Or spaces to where, you know, me going in, around New York, even when I had no money, I would be on Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. going to shop and just feel embarrassed that I was in there and couldn't really, like, spend any money or just feel like— you know, I would never be able to obtain these things. So I will say that I'm a bag fanatic right now. Nice. Another question we have for everyone is, what does enough look like to you? What does enough look like for me? Um, enough for me, I guess, would be like being fulfilled emotionally and mentally. So for me, it's like even if I wasn't financially stable or financially to do the things I could do, I think as long as I was fine mentally and emotionally, I would be great, you know, because a lot of people make a lot of this money and they hate themselves Mm -hmm. or they don't feel good about themselves. So they're never fulfilled or it's not enough for them. But for me, it's just like as long as I have good people around me and I can give back to people and I feel great about myself and what I'm doing, that's all that matters. You know, do you feel like you have enough? right now no you can always want more you can can always want more I don't have enough bags but no I think I I think I do have I have enough 
love within me mm-hmm. and outside of me. Mm-hmm. So I have so many amazing people around me that have supported this journey because for me, it's different. It's one thing to be a sex worker online doing your own thing. And, you know, you're not really in the sh- like not really in the scope of everyone's eyes and stuff. But for me to be doing all that, plus everyone's always watching me and I'm in these big publications and doing these things. And I feel like people are waiting for me to mess up. It's like I have all these people that support me. I mean, I just having the privilege alone of my parents supporting my sex work is big. Mm-hmm. There are so many people in this industry that can't even tell their parents because they'll get disowned, kicked out, whatever it might be. But I have parents that not only support what I do, but they want to be a part of it. Like, my mom's going to be my assistant for my lingerie line. Like oh, She's, wow. like, helping me with all these things. And, you know, my dad's always asking, like, do you need business cards? Do you need this? Mm-hmm. Or my dad's like, I saw someone today that Mike could be a sub. I'm like, okay, <laughs> Dad, I don't even know what that means for you. <laughs> but, like, but it's just having all these people. I mean, my best friend is my assistant. My two other best friends are running a dungeon with me. Like, just having all these people that are close to mm-hmm. me that are supporting what I'm doing that are always there. I mean, they're there through everything, through the meltdowns before an event, through, like, the nervousness before certain things, through having to deal with crazy clients. I mean, sometimes my best friends come and sit in as security at my session. So it's just, like, that will always be enough for me. Mm-hmm. I heard that you have an affirmation that you say to yourself in the mirror every day, and I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if you can teach it to us. So... Affirmations are always a good thing because you could either repeat it to yourself in a mirror or you can record your voice saying it on your phone and play it as you're going to sleep. I've never thought of that. Yeah. So so a lot of people like to listen to mantras by other people, which are good. But to me, it has the most force in it when it's your own voice. So imagine you like so imagine you falling asleep and you're subconsciously listening to yourself in your ears say these things. You're going to believe it because it's your voice. Right. So it's. I'm a bad bitch. I'm a bad bitch. I'm a money magnet. I'm a money magnet. Everything I want, I get. Everything I want, I get. I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. I'm that bitch. I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. I'm that bitch. Yes. I love it. Yes. Um, I'm getting a note from our producer one, wanting to know if you can dom me uh, in one sentence like you do a client. Oh, okay. That was a, that was a good little touch, producer. Shout out to you. <laughs> what are your like? What are your what are your hard limits first? Like, what is the absolute no? Can you give me an example of what a hard limit is? So, a hard limit is something that's just like no, absolutely don't say to me. I mean, I I don't I don't think that I have. I don't know. I don't think that I have. Okay, any... even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go for All it. All right. So. Hey, you little bitch, you're going to give me all your money and you're going to dream about me when you go to sleep and I'm all you're going to ever think about because I'm all that matters to you and your life is worthless without sending me money. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Well, I actually have sent you money because um, I've subscribed to one of your channels, so... Oh, (laughs) a silent sender. We have a silent sender, guys. I'm a silent sender. Other People's Pockets is written and hosted by me, Maya Lau. It's produced by me, along with Joy Sanford and Dan Gallucci. Production help by Angela Vang. Our mix engineer is Dan Gallucci. Our executive producers are me, Maya Lau, along with Jane Marie and Dan Gallucci. Special thanks to the silent senders.
Other People's Pockets is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content and ad-free listening across our network for $4.99 a month. Look for the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin Podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. You can sign up for Pushkin newsletters at pushkin.fm. This episode was recorded in the fall of 2021, so some of the time references you heard may be a little off. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.